You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. If you guys have uh, been flying for any amount of time, you'll know that um, in the past, those little orientations, those little safety orientations, uh, pretty boring. And uh, if you fly for a while, what do you start doing? You start zoning out, whether it's live and they're standing right in front of you, or whether it's a video, you just don't pay attention. United Airlines thinks that that safety information is pretty important. And so they've done something interesting there. Think about that for a second. What, what have they done? Just think about it. What are they doing there? What technique are they employing? They think their information is so important, safety instructions, if something goes wrong, you're going to be protected, that they have injected some very strange things into that video in order to get you to pay attention. Now, I've thought about what I'm doing here uh, a few times. I didn't just do this. I've thought about it a few times, and I'm I'm not going to lie, I have had the thought that um, I might fall. It's worth it to get your attention this morning. I don't want to fall, but it'd make a great viral video if I came down off of these stools. Uh, But I'm going to try to stay up here uh, uh, for the next few minutes. Um, It takes some interesting behavior sometimes to get our attention. If you think about the state of somebody, and maybe even yourself, as you board an airliner and you sit down in that seat and you buckle that belt, think about the different states of mind that you might be in. Maybe you've just been rushing through an airport and you're sweating and you're frustrated. Maybe you missed another flight and you're just rushing to make this one and you're angry. Um, Maybe you're just so relaxed you just don't feel like paying attention. Maybe you feel like you've heard it all before and you're an expert flyer and you don't need to hear what they have to say. There's any number of reasons why you could be sitting in that seat and you could be completely oblivious, wanting to be oblivious to what is going on in front of you, thinking that you don't need to hear that warning, that you've heard it so many times before, or maybe it's just your state of mind that's got you in a place where you're just not paying attention. And to be honest, that's kind of how we are in life as well. And sometimes it takes eccentric theater to get our attention so that we stop and we look at the message behind what's going on. And so I would say United Airlines is pretty effective because I I don't pay attention to that stuff. And when that video came on, I've seen it a few times and I still watch it. I still look at it. It still gets my attention because it's so weird. And uh, weird stuff gets my attention. And sometimes I do weird things to get people's attention. Um, So I'm not going to pray like this. Uh, I'm going to get up. I don't know if God will accept my prayer when I'm laying on those stools. Um, The question I want you to be thinking about as we move forward here is what will God have to do to get your attention? That's what we're talking about this morning is does, does God have your attention as you sit here this morning. As we, as a church, gather together, does, does this church corporately have um, attentiveness to what God wants to say? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I deeply believe that you want to speak to us. Not just this morning, but every time we gather, you have something to say. Every time our hearts are open to you, you have something to say. Every time we pick up your word, every time we think about your word, every time you are on our minds, you have something to say to us. I pray, God, that we'd be listening this morning. As individuals, corporately, as a church that you have a plan for, I pray we'd be listening to what you have to say to us. 
I pray that we would be willing, with your help, Holy Spirit, to put aside whatever is making us zone out spiritually. Help us to put that aside, to be able to hear what you have to say to your church and your people this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hopefully you have turned or scrolled to a really weird book in the Bible. Ezekiel is very weird. Usually, I don't think there are any people recorded in scripture weirder and stranger than the prophets. Uh, They're all very, very bizarre. And uh, God wanted them to be that way. And I think he probably chose people that were kind of bent that way anyway, being a little weird. And uh, he helped them be weird for a reason. But Ezekiel's the guy we're looking at this morning. And Ezekiel's a pretty cool guy. He's very smart. Uh, You may read the book of Ezekiel and think he's not smart. Uh, He's a very smart guy. He was also very creative. He was a priest. And Ezekiel did ministry during an, an intense time of turmoil on every front. He was raised in his home country of Israel. He was then deported. He was, he was removed from his country and taken into captivity in a different country, a foreign land. And his ministry is being done to his native people, but they're located in a different place. International turmoil between multiple warring companies, confused leaders, unrest. The people that Ezekiel was interacting with and doing ministry as a priest to uh, were hardened. Their hearts were hard. They'd heard it all before. Uh, they were discouraged. They'd kind of given up on all the promises that they had been told all these years of hearing different things spiritually. They kind of were just done with it. They were in a different culture, so different cultural customs and different cultural religions and norms were were bearing on their lives and their thinking. And so Ezekiel's doing ministry to people who are in a very difficult situation. People that were zoned out to the message of God for multiple reasons. Some were angry and disappointed. Some were just caught up in trying to make a life for themselves and stay alive and survive. Some were prospering and doing well in the new country, so they really had no need to listen to it. And some had just purely given up on the whole message of God, thinking that there was nothing more left for them. And so God comes to Ezekiel and he says, Ezekiel, I want you to talk to these people. I want you to take my message to them. As a priest, yes, but I want you to be my prophet, my messenger to this people. And he tells him right out of the gate, talk about a depressing call. He says, just so you know, they're not gonna listen, but I still want you to go and tell them. Actually, they're gonna be upset about it and they're gonna kind of reject you, but I still want you to go and I'm holding you responsible to be my messenger. So Ezekiel receives this message to go and give God's message. So with a combination of God's inspiration speaking to him and his gifts and abilities that God had put into him as an intelligent uh, priest who was called and also as a very creative person, he uses this fusion of the Holy Spirit's inspiration with all the stuff that God put in him to take this message that God had for his people to these people that are in exile. And there's a lot of crazy, if you read the whole book of Ezekiel, there's a lot of crazy stuff in there. But I want to tell you this, a lot of times, be very intimidated by books like Ezekiel, Revelation, a lot of prophetic books. A lot of people steer clear of them because they're too weird and hard to understand. Don't be intimidated. Read between the lines. Look for the big picture ideas that God's trying to communicate. Don't ever shy away from that thinking that, well, I don't have the code to figure this out. It's going to take someone else. Um, I think you're going to see how approachable I think uh, just one aspect of, of, a, of a prophetic book can be this morning. So we're going to start in Ezekiel 3, and we're going to look at 3 and 4. We're just going to take some snippets out of a very complex and a, and a very big book with a lot of crazy stuff in there. Uh, we're going to look at uh, Ezekiel 3 and 4. And as you turn there and as you get dialed in to Ezekiel chapter 3, I want to ask you this question. I just talked to you about how the people that Ezekiel was called to, what condition they were in. I want to ask you this. 
In what context do you find yourself in as God's message is coming to you? Not just this morning, but in general. In what state of mind are you? So if this is a flight and God's message is, is, is being presented to you, in what state of mind are you in? Are you frustrated? Maybe hopeless? You know, boarding airliners, sometimes you see real enthusiastic passengers too. <laughs> They're just excited to be there. I actually rode with a student on a mission trip one time. His name is Alicia. I have never seen anymore, anybody more enthusiastic and happy to be on an airliner for all 15 or 16 hours that we were on it. So you get all kinds of people when you're on these flights. So I, what state of mind? Maybe you're enthusiastically like ready for the message of God. Maybe you're skeptical. You're not sure. Maybe the airline, airline's hiding something. Maybe they're not telling me everything. You know, can I trust these, these flight attendants? Um, maybe you've been in bad situations before. Maybe you're discouraged. Maybe it's just like your hard heart. Kind of like, yeah, I've done this all before. And it's all, all wrote to me, what state of mind, what state of heart are you in as God's message is trying to come to you this morning and in this season of your life? Ezekiel 3.10. And God said to me, son of man, listen carefully and take heart to all the words I speak to you. Listen carefully. Don't just listen. Take heart to what I'm trying to tell you. Man, what if we all just did that and we stopped the whole message this morning, didn't say anything else? What if we all paused, listened, and listening is difficult. It's not just hearing, it's not passive. Listening is active. What if we put effort into listening to what God is trying to say to us through his word, through his people, through our circumstances? What if we stopped and we listened, and not just listened, but took it, to heart, pondered it, started putting it into practice. This is what he's telling Ezekiel to do. He's calling Ezekiel, and if you read the chapters before this, God went to really strange and great lengths to get Ezekiel's attention. He showed him crazy visions. He, he did a lot of stuff to go, Ezekiel, hey, woo, big, awesome, scary God here. I'm trying to talk to you. And that's what basically the first couple chapters of Ezekiel are about, and Ezekiel ends up going, oh, I'm listening. All right, and then he tells him, I need, now, now that I've got your attention, listen to what I'm about to say and, and really get this inside of you. It's very important that you hear this. So he's got Ezekiel's attention. What if he had our attention? What if God had our undivided full attention? Verse 11, go now to your people in exile and speak to them. He has a message that he wants to give Ezekiel to speak to people. He says, say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, whether they listen or fail to listen. I couldn't help when I read that thinking, man, which one am I? How will my spiritual health be measured? Am I one of the ones that's listening or am I one of the ones that's going to be failing to listen in multiple areas, thinking that I'm getting it right, but really not listening and just doing what I, I think is the right thing? Listen or fail to listen. We all have that choice. Whether God's calling you, and he is, but God is calling all of us to do something. He's always leading us. He's always guiding us. Will we listen or will we fail to listen? And ultimately, I think the measure of our spiritual health, our legacy, and our spiritual destination will ultimately be, did we listen or fail to listen to the message that God was working so desperately hard to get into our hearts and minds? So that's what he says to Ezekiel. And so it's a personal thing with Ezekiel. He's actually speaking to him saying, you need to get this before you go out there and do my work. 
Ezekiel 3.27, so if you skip ahead to verse 27. He says, but when I speak to you, I will open your mouth and you shall say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Whoever will listen, let them listen. And whoever will refuse, let them refuse, for they are a rebellious people. Being honest with ourselves, that's just the way we are. It's just the way humanity is. We're we're just hard-hearted. We fall asleep at the wheel. We kind of get used to things. And for whatever reasons we could articulate, and there are many, we we, we have a posture of kind of pushing back against what God has for our lives. And this is the state of the people, and it's really the state of all of us. Even those of us who, who God has a ministry for and he's pushing us in a ministry, we all have that tendency to kind of kick back and resist a little bit. And God knows that. And he says to him, whether they listen or fail to listen, here it is again, whoever will refuse, let them refuse. It reminds me of Jesus when he would say crazy stuff and give these interesting stories and parables. He would say, he who has ears, let him hear. Kind of waving his hands and going, if you can take this to heart, if you can listen and pay attention, then listen to it. Because not everybody's gonna. This stuff will go right over some people's heads. It'll go right beyond them. God wants you to listen. And he wants me to listen. He wants us to pay attention to what he's saying to us. He wants us to listen to his message. The message of his truth as it's it's expressed in the, the scripture that's right in plain English and multiple translations for us to engage with and read. He wants us to listen to him as he speaks to our circumstances. To be listening, what are you trying to say to me to what's happening in my life right now? A lot of times we're just, we're too busy pounding our fists and, we, and we're having a hard time listening to what he's actually trying to say to us through our circumstances. There are people in our lives that God wants to use to speak to us and he wants us to listen to him as he speaks to us through the people in our lives. And some of those sources aren't sources we want to listen to. You know, the, the, the message is coming and we don't like the source so much that we can't hear the message. There's a lot of ways that God tries to get our attention. And he wants us to listen. And just like he told Ezekiel, he wants us to actively listen and look for his message. And he wants us to take heart. The people that received the most out of Jesus' ministry when he walked the earth were the ones who didn't just hear his parables, but they took the next step with a shovel and went digging for the truth inside. So he would give a story and they would go digging and looking for the truth. And those are the people that Jesus delivered the most potent messages to. The ones who were actively listening and wanted to know what he was really saying. Wanting to know more. And it's no different with us. It's an important message. This message of Jesus, this message, God's message to us, it's the most important message we're ever going to hear. And he wants us to listen to it in all of its facets and forms. Now, if you're here this morning... You may be here, and, and, and I don't know what your circumstance is bringing you here, but you may find that you're not connected to God. You, you know, you're not in a relationship with him, and maybe you're checking the whole thing out. Maybe you've been doing that for a while. And I think there's this, this uh, unconscious belief that we have that God does not have a message for us to give, and he does not have a ministry for us. He does not have a plan for us until we come into a relationship with him. And that is not true, and it's not biblical. Psalm 139 says that all the days written for us have already been laid out before one of them has come to be. So whether you're here and you're in a good relationship with God or connected to him or not, he has a message for you. He has a message for you personally to take you to where he wants you to go, where he created and died for you to go. He also has a message for you to give to the world. 
Even though you're not in a place to do it yet, doesn't mean he doesn't have a message for you. He has a ministry plan for how he wants to use you to bless your world. Whether you are in a relationship with him or not, God has a message and a ministry for you as you sit here. And he wants you to go after it and figure it out and find him and find that ministry, find that message and find fruitfulness and find hope and purpose, fulfillment, meaning. He desperately wants you to listen to him so that you can get on that road. Ezekiel 3, verse 21. He says, if you do, and there's a lot of this in the prophetic books, a lot of warnings, a lot of warnings. It, it irks us. It's hard to handle the warnings. If you do warn the righteous person not to sin, and they do not sin, they will surely live because they took the warning. And you will have saved yourself as well. You will have fulfilled the responsibility that I'm calling you to do. God warns those he loves. We have to remind ourselves of that because warnings can come across as aggressive and they can repel us. Whether they be in scripture, whether they come from other places in our lives, a lot of times our reaction to a warning is to draw back. But if we think about the nature of a warning message, it is for our good. It is to steer us clear of things that will harm us, things that will take us down a road that is not the best road for us. Anyone in here would agree that you would want someone to bang on your door at 3 a.m. and scream and yell at you and break some of your things to warn you to get out of your house if it's on fire. Very simple metaphor. And we would all agree, yes, I would put up with many discomforts in order for me to not burn in my house, okay? But when we look at these warnings in Scripture, somehow we have this reaction to God, like, man, why is he so angry? You know, why is he so mean? Why does God hate me so much? If, if someone hates you, then they stand with a smile on their face with their arms folded on the sidewalk as they watch your house burn. And that's not your God. Your God loves you. He wants to be with you. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants what's best for you. He wants you to flourish. He wants you to know him. So the nature of the warnings and the loud hand clapping and the crazy gestures and the crazy antics of the prophets and the crazy things that God does to get your attention and my attention, they're for our good because he loves us. He doesn't want us to go down the road to destruction. He wants us to go down the road that leads to him and fulfillment and love in him. That's the kind of God we have. So what's he warning us about? It all comes down to the same thing. He warns us that the road that we choose to take on our own apart from him is not a good road. It's a road that leads to destruction, spiritually and ultimately physically. It leads to destruction. The warning is that if we persist in blowing him off, Assist, insist on following the ways of the world. Insist on following our own, our own desires, thinking that we are the captain of our own vessel and we can take it vessel and we can take it to a better place than him. The warning is that that's not true, and you will sail into destruction. Not just for yourself, not just for myself. If we choose the road that leads away from God without His help, without His blessing, not only is it destruction for us, but it negatively affects everyone around us. And we rob the world of the gift that we were meant to give the world through Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. God wants us to live that fruitful life, and he wants us to stay off the road that hurts us and hurts others, and sin, and that's what we call it. So the Bible calls it sin. Whenever we choose a way that's not God, it hurts us and it hurts others, and that's reality. And the Bible makes no bones about that, and sometimes it stick, stings a little bit to hear that. It sticks us a little bit, but it's for our good. Ezekiel chapter four, and this is where it starts to get weird. Keep reading the book. It gets way weirder, okay? Ezekiel chapter four. Take a look at this. It says, Ezekiel, this is what I want you to go do. Now, son of man, take a block of clay. 
It's like Play-Doh. He's telling them to go play with toys. Put it in front of you and draw the city of Jerusalem on it. Bustling city, people not paying attention, going about their business. Are they going to listen to the boring message of a priest? He's saying, go draw a picture on a piece of clay. Here we go. Lay siege to it. Basically, he's saying, like, just like when you were a kid and you built a block tower with like army men, he's like, go and do that so people can see you doing it. He says, erect siege works against it, build a ramp up to it and set up camps against it, put a battering ram, battering rams around it, then take an iron pan. So now he's in the kitchen. So now he's playing with toys in front of everyone. Go out to a public place and start playing with toys and pretend to Jerusalem and, and start like having a little war. Okay, so if you got your little, your little tanks and your little Jenga tower and little ramps, and then he's saying, go get one of the, and I imagine in my mind, it's one of those big cast iron pans. Those things are so heavy. He says, go get a pan out of the kitchen. So I'm thinking someone's gonna go to church to watch that. Like, what is he doing? Is he nuts? Maybe. Take an iron pan, place it as an iron wall between you and the city and turn your face toward it. It will be under siege and you shall besiege it. I love that. Like, Ezekiel, get that city. This will be a sign to the people of Israel. Then, this is awesome, lie on your left side. <laughs> and put the people of Israel, upon, the sin of the people of Israel upon yourself. You are to bear their sin for a number of days you lie on your side. I have assigned you the same number of days as the years of their sin. So for 390 days, you will bear the sin of the people of Israel. God, can, can I do something else? <laughs> Rather than lay on my side for over a year? That'd be awesome. Um, after you have finished this, lie down again, this time on your right side, and bear the sin of the people of Judah. I have assigned you 40 days, a day for each year. Turn your face toward the siege of Jerusalem and with a bared arm, prophesy against her. Ah. I will tie you up with ropes so that you cannot turn from one side to the other until you have finished the days of your siege. Crazy. And people stopped. And people listened. This is just one of his acts. Like I said, read it. There's some really inappropriate stuff in the book of Ezekiel. It is an R-rated book. People stopped and people listened. Many of them carried on. His message was largely rejected. But by the Holy Spirit's inspiration, with his own artistic gifts combined with the Holy Spirit's inspiration and God's words to him, the crowd stopped. And they paid attention to the picture of what was going on with the toys and the siege ramp. The message got through, and that's what God wanted Ezekiel to do. Get their attention. Because I have a really, really important message for them. I don't want them to stray away from me. I want them to see what's going on here, and I want them to turn to me. If you read the prophetic books, this phrase is always replete throughout the prophetic books, so that they will know that I am God so that they will know that I am God. I just want the world to know that I am God. This country, that country, this nation. Do this, do that, so that they will know that I am God. Because God wants the world to know him. And he wants those of us who are in relationship with him to do whatever it takes to get their attention. God wants your attention. As you sit here this morning, us as a church, he wants our attention to speak to us. He wants our attention every day that we walk, live, and breathe. 
God wants your attention. And God is trying to get your attention. And I would ask you, how's he doing that? Think about that. Maybe there's some circumstances and some things going on in your life and maybe you haven't been thinking of it like this, but is God trying to get through to you? Does God have your attention? Or are there other things that are dominating your attention? God's trying to get all of our attention. What will it take? I often think about King David and I think about uh, the prophets as being really precursors to a lot of what we do on Sunday mornings. Think about what we do here. The lights, the haze, the colors, the building. Is this an accident? No. Anything that we can do to point a big flashing arrow at the most important message the world will ever receive, we're going to do it. It doesn't matter how much money it takes. It doesn't matter what it takes. We do whatever we can to direct people's attention to this awesome God that died on the cross for our sin, would do anything to buy us back. Because we want not only for God to have our attention, we want God to have the world's attention. So as Riverside Community Church, why do we do half of what we do creative arts-wise? Why did I play that video? It's to get our attention so that we're thinking about the things of God and this crazy world that we live in. It takes a lot of effort and a lot of bang and pizzazz in the United States in 2017 to get an American's attention. So we're gonna use as much creativity and as much craziness as we can to direct people to the message of Jesus. Give God your attention because he really desperately wants it. Now, Jesus did this in the most ultimate way possible, but this wasn't a stunt. What Jesus did on the cross wasn't theater. It was real. He took this as a prophet, as our priest, as our king. He took this to the ultimate link, uh, length of taking it beyond theater to reality, to get our attention to scream that he loves us and wants a relationship with us. He died on the cross, a bloody public death, to bring us back to him, to make us look, to make us look at our sin and realize what it is, to make us look at God and see how awesome God is, to make us look at him and see what his plan for our life can be. The ultimate attention-getting act that was not an act was Jesus dying on the cross for us. And I think we will be judged on how we respond to that act. Does the cross have our attention? As recipients of its grace, as recipients of its healing, but also as the messengers that are supposed to take that message. Does the cross have our attention? Is the world getting the message through us? It wasn't just Ezekiel. If we have the Holy Spirit, access to the Holy Spirit, we're all prophets. We all have a message. He's calling all of us to get this message out there. Now, if you want to lay on your side at the break room table, that's between you and God. You know, if you want to light some weird fires and do some dance, that you, I'll let the Holy Spirit talk to you about how to get the attention of the people in your life. Uh, you use your own creativity and talk to God about that. But the point is, God wants us to get his message out there. And it shouldn't be boring. It should not be boring, and it should not be bland, and it should not be lackluster. Give God your attention. What's the message? What is this message? The message is come. Come to me. Come back to me. The message is go. Get out there and make a difference in this world. The message is love. The message is listen. The message is act and heed the words that God is speaking to you. So how is God trying to get your attention? I'm going to call the worship team to come up and I want to invite all of us 
to ponder and reflect on that question. What is God trying to do to get your attention? How is he trying to get your attention? How will, how will you respond? Maybe you know exactly what I'm talking about because you've been hearing it for a while. Maybe the question, how will you respond, is the bigger question for you this morning. Have you been sitting in that airline chair with that seatbelt on, just kind of looking through a magazine, thinking about what you're going to do when you get home? Are you going to respond to the message? How, how, how far does God have to go? How long does he have to nag at you and throw roadblocks up and get in your face before you respond to him, respond to his loving plan for your life? So what's the next step for you as you sit here this morning? I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you don't feel close to God and you don't feel connected to God, maybe you once were or maybe you never were, I want to ask you, what is God trying to do to get your attention? How will you respond to the cross of Jesus Christ, his blood shed for forgiveness of sins, his invitation to be in relationship with him and live out his only awesome plan for your life? Will your response be to accept his message, to love him back, to reach out to him? Will that be your response? You can respond that way this morning, and I want to invite you to do that. There will be prayer partners down here during the, the worship for the next few minutes. You can come kneel down along the front and just hit the carpet regardless of how strange it looks or feels. Force yourself to get up out of your seat. Come down, hit this carpet and say, Jesus, I'm giving my life to you this morning. I'm accepting everything that you are and have to give. Maybe some of you have been resisting and there's some kind of message that God's been trying to get through to you. I don't know what it is. But maybe your act is to get up out of your seat this morning, hit the front of this room and say, I accept. I've been bucking at you for a while, God. I've been ignoring, I've been whatever, but this morning I accept. I'm gonna pay attention. I'm gonna listen, I'm gonna heed. You know what you've been saying, I know what you've been saying. I'm, I'm gonna act on this. I'm gonna respond. Maybe that's your prayer. Maybe you, you let one of these prayer partners help you with your response by coming up and saying, hey, this is what I wanna pray about. This is what I need help with. Can you pray with me and for me about what God's trying to do and say in my life. Maybe you're here this morning and, and your prayer needs to start by saying, God, forgive me. Because I've been blowing you off, kind of. Like, I've been hearing that you're trying to get a hold of me, but I've been throwing up roadblocks. I've been that passenger on the flight that's disengaged for, a num for any number of reasons. God, will you forgive me for, for being in this state and bring me out of it? Help me to be attentive once again to what you're trying to say to me. Maybe you're here this morning and you know exactly what God's been trying to say to you. And he always does. He always has something to say. In every stage of life to someone at any spiritual maturity level, he always has something to say. Maybe you've been hearing it. And you're desperately trying to do it. And your prayer this morning is, God, give me strength because this is really tough. And this is going to take a lot of effort. It's going to take a lot of change. Whatever it's taken, you're feeling the burn. And you need to ask the Holy Spirit to invigorate you with supernatural power to actually respond to whatever that message is that God's trying to give you. I hope that you'll use these next few minutes as we stand and worship, as you come forward and pray with prayer partners or just kneel along the front. I hope that you will use this time to talk to your creator, to talk to Jesus. God, I pray for all of us, corporately and individually, that we would be attentive, that we would be paying attention to you. And as we do so, I pray that you would transform our lives and then use us like you did Ezekiel to take this message to the world. Whether they choose to listen or not, God, let us be the ones that listen. Let us be the ones as, as a church, as individuals that choose to take your message to this world 
and do whatever it takes to point the attention to you, our great God, our creator, our savior, Jesus Christ, that died on the cross for our sin, holds the keys to life and death, and stands ready to welcome us at the end of this life and for eternity. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.